Welcome to Charity Baptist Church in Powell, Wyoming. And uh, it's an honor and privilege to be here and preach out of God's Word. And the message I'm going to preach today is called Talks Cheap. And uh, in this world today, you, you've, you've heard people say things and they don't really mean it. You know, they don't back it up. And uh, one of the things we probably all heard is... Uh, I'm not hooked on these cigarettes. I can quit any day I want. I say, talk's cheap. You talk to an alcoholic. Oh, I can quit drinking any time I want to quit drinking. Yeah, talk's cheap. And uh, then New Year's resolution. People saying, you know, this year I'm going to diet, I'm going to exercise, I'm going to lose weight this year. And in many cases, talk's cheap. And uh, I got a boss I used to work with. Oh, it's been 25 years ago or so. And he may be listening today. And he's a good friend of mine. And uh, he used to come around and he'd say, Ah, you guys, back when, when I was on the bench doing this job, I'd get it done about half the time, you know. And he said, I always had these production lines running and all this stuff. You know, he'd always spout off, you know, how good he used to be. And so I ended up buying him a T-shirt. It said, the older I get, the better I was. <laughs> so so a little sense of humor on him, but he, he can take it. And... Uh, then another buddy at work, good friends, in fact, I led him to the Lord, and, and uh, he's getting older, and he's telling me, you know, Gary, I can still slam dunk a basketball, and I said, no way, you can't slam dunk a basketball, I told him, you're getting too old, and you're getting too fat, and you know, you know how buddies pick on each other, and he says, yes, I can, I said, well, let's have a little wager here. I told him, if you can slam dunk a basketball, I'll buy donuts for everybody in the shop. But if you can't buy, or if you can't slam dunk a basketball, you've got to come to my church. Well, he ended up coming to my church. <laughs> so, you know, talk's cheap. And uh, a lot of people out there say they're Christians. They talk it. But you don't see the walk. You know, talk's cheap. Uh, you, and unless you're living it, you know, you shouldn't even be talking it. Because if you say you're a Christian, you're out there living like the world, don't, don't even mention it because you're turning more people off from the Word of God and Jesus than you're drawing to, to the church. And I want to tell a little story. It's a true story about a man named Blondin. He was a great circus performer. And he stretched a cable across Niagara Falls. And uh, during high winds and no safety net, he walked, he danced, he ran across that tightrope. And the crowd was amazed. Then he took a wheelbarrow full of bricks and he wheeled it back and forth across the falls. And the crowd's just going wild, blonding, blonding. And then he asked the crowd, do you believe that I could take a person across Niagara Falls on this wire in the wheelbarrow? And they're all saying, yes, yes, we believe, we believe, you can do it. And then he asked the crowd, I have any volunteers? Well, they believed, but they didn't believe that much, did they? So that's, that's about what happened with Blonda and his experiences with people saying they believe. Talk's cheap. And then uh, Jesus says in the Word of God, in Matthew chapter 15, verse 8, People draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is from far from me. Talk's cheap. That's what Jesus is more or less saying. Talks cheap. You honor me with your mouth. Talk about me. But your life doesn't show it. You know, I get on Facebook. I've never been on Facebook till the last probably six months. And I try to use it as a ministry tool. And 
you befriend a lot of people and a lot of Christians, non-Christians, and it saddens my heart that what I see on Facebook of people that claim to be Christians, what the stuff they put on there. It, they brag about things a Christian shouldn't even be doing. They boast about things. It, uh, it, it's sad. And the Bible says we're supposed to be the light of the world. And when we say we're a Christian, we're representing Jesus Christ. And that is an awesome responsibility. Shouldn't be taken lightly. You know, the older I get, and I'm going to be 66 next month, and the older I get, the more I realize there's not as many true Christians as I used to think. You, you, you see people playing church. The reality is that there's a lot of people who call themselves Christians, but they never really surrendered to Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. And it saddens my heart to see that over and over again. And in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus talks about that. This is some of the saddest verses I think there is in the Bible. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, Jesus says this, Enter ye into the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way, which leadest to destruction, and many be there that find it. More or less saying, the road to hell is broad and wide, and many be there that find it. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few, it says, few be there that find it. Worldwide, it says, few be there that truly find it. Isn't that sad? And it goes on. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're raving wolves. You shall know them by their fruit. Do men gather grapes among thorns or figs among thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. But a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bringeth forth good fruit. And it says, you shall know them by their fruit. And here's some more sad verses in verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of God. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, have we not cast out demons in thy name? Done many wonderful works in your name? And, and, and it goes on to say, And prophesied in thy name. And then the Lord says to the, unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. He never knew them. They're bragging about all the good things they get for the Lord. He says, I never, never knew you. In James chapter 1, verse 22, it says, Be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Just not be a hearer, be a doer. Be a doer. And in James chapter 2, verse 20, it says, Faith without works is dead. Now, some people get this verse confused. It says, faith without works is dead. It doesn't mean that you earn your way to heaven. By no means does it say that. That your works, your good works are going to get you to heaven. What it does mean is once you become a Christian, once you're saved, once you're born again and you have Jesus Christ in your heart, the Holy Spirit directing your life, the result should be good works. 
You will know them by their fruits. And you shall know them by their love. Christians, we need to be known by our love, by our fruit, the good things. Once you become a Christian, there should be a change in your life. From the old person to the new person. The Bible says if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. What's it say? All. Just not part. You need to be a changed person with the Holy Spirit living within you. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 23, it says the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Lord Jesus Christ living in your life, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Now I want to shift things just a little bit about the church itself. Some people think the pastor is the one-man gang in a church. You come to church as... Uh, members of the church, and you sit in a pew, and, and you sit there, listen to a message, and then you go home and come back the next week. And pastor's got everything under control. He does everything. He's a one-man gang. He cleans the restrooms. He sweeps the floors. He visits people at the hospitals. He does time doing a, a studying in depth for the Word of God. and He does it all. Let me put this in perspective. Let's say you were a coach of a football team, and you're the, you're the coach, and all your people, all your team players are on the bench. And so the game starts, and your team stays on the bench during the whole game. How many games are you going to win? Huh? As a team? Pastor's the coach of the team. He isn't the whole team. He is not the center. He's not the quarterback, the lineman, the running back, the wide receiver. All the same man, the same day, in the same game. Because there's no way he could do it. And the same way with the church. You know, we all have gifts. We all have talents. We are called the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians, it talks about that. Chapter 12, verse 13, it says, For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jew or Gentile, or whether we be bond or free, or have been all made to drink of, into one Spirit. For the body is not just one member, but of many. If the foot shall say, because I am not a hand, I am not the body. Therefore, is, is that part of the body? If, if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not part of the body. Therefore, it is not part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? If the whole body was hearing, how could you smell? But now God has sent the members, every one of them, in the body, and, and it pleased him. And if they were all one member, where would the whole body be? But now we are they, are many members, but one body. So we're all a part of the body of Christ, and we each have gifts and talents, different. They're different from one another. And if you don't know what your gift or your talent is, maybe you should talk to your husband, your wife, you can talk to your friends, talk to your pastor. They, they see what you're good at. They, they, they can kind of tell your gifts. And if pray the Lord. Let Him open your eyes to gifts too. And I know without a doubt, my gift is evangelism. That's what I live for. That's what I strive for. That's my passion. That's what I love to do. What you see me do right now? I'm on cloud nine. This is it. I love it. Besides talking to people on the street. It, it, it's what I, what I love to do. And you know, some people out there, they don't know what their gift is. They don't know what their talent is. 
And there's people out there that's down and out and depressed because they have no purpose in life. They haven't found their gifts. They haven't found their talents. But maybe if they found their gift and talents and purpose in life, that depression would go away. They'd be serving. They'd be used. And I'm going to... I made a list of some of the gifts maybe you may have. I'm just going to run them by you. <clears throat> some of you may be teachers. Some of you gift of working with kids. That's your passion. Some of you working on cars. And they say, well, what's working on cars got to do with the ministry? A lot. Maybe there's a widow lady here in this church, and her car isn't running. And you have the gift of working on cars. You can help. You can encourage them. Maybe you're good at working at wood. Maybe you need to... You could make a pulpit. You could make whatever handyman type stuff. Maybe you're good at cooking. Cooking is a gift. I can cook hot dogs and eggs and stuff, but my wife, she has a gift of cooking. People actually eat her cooking. They don't eat mine. But, but you know, we all have our gifts. Cooking is a blessing. You, like today, we're having a carry-in. Hey, if you're a good cook, that's a blessing. And uh, maybe there's somebody that just had a baby. And they need somebody to bring food into the house for a while while they're getting organized and what have you. And some people are good listeners. My wife's a good listener. I'm a good talker. She's a good listener. And uh, somebody may be pouring their heart out and, and they'll talk to Nancy because she's a good listener. She cares. And there's some people that are good prayer warriors. Some of these older people, they say, well... I can't do nothing in the church. You can sure pray, right? Anybody can pray. Be a prayer warrior. And there's evangelism. Some of you have the gift of evangelism. Some of you are hunters and fishermen. And, and you, there's ways, and I'll share a little bit about that a little later, but that can be a gift, the hunting, the fishing, the archery, stuff like that. And... Uh, Maybe you're a doctor, a nurse, a dentist. Wow, what a blessing you can be to people. Building things, fixing things. Maybe you're a farmer. You can work with young people, future farmers of America. You can be a leader, teach kids out on the farm. Welder, a tool maker, whatever you repairs things. Uh, an accountant. Hey, Church can use a treasure now and then, you know, finances, maintenance. And you know, uh, like I said earlier, do you want your pastor mowing the lawn, which you don't have a lawn, but do you want the pastor sweeping the floors? you want the pastor cleaning the restrooms and doing everything? Maybe you're good at maintenance. Maybe you're good at cleaning the restrooms, doing uh, housekeeping type work. You know, praise the Lord for that. And hospitality, maybe you have a, a nice place you can invite friends over and encourage them in the Lord. You know, it's awesome bring brothers and sisters. Maybe you got new couples coming to church. A family could invite them to their home. Hospitality. And hospital visits. Maybe you have uh, the niche of visiting people in the hospital, encouraging them. But I, I'm just trying to maybe open some of your eyes that hey, that's something I could do. That's something I could do. And in the Bible it says in Colossians 3.23, it says, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. If you're cleaning the restrooms, sweeping the floor, do it heartily unto the Lord, not unto men. Be, be a doer. Be a... Uh, not a, a talker, a doer. Don't be a bench warmer. Don't sit on the sidelines. Be part of the team. Play the game. That's what we need. The pastor needs some players on his, on his team. It's hard to win a game when there's no players, especially when they're just sitting on the bench. Be out there in the field. Be a winner for life. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16, it talks about being the salt of the earth, being the light of the earth. 
If you have a light, you don't hide it underneath a bushel basket, it says. Let it shine. Let your light shine among men so they see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. As a Christian here today, I'm going to ask you a question. Do you give Jesus Christ your quality time? Or are you giving Jesus Christ just the leftovers? We're... Where does he stand in your life? The quality time or leftovers? I want to tell you about uh, a nine-year-old boy named Wesley. He's fired up for Jesus. He loves the Lord. He has a burden for the lost. He's nine years old. He has a sister, one of them that's uh, older than him and two that's younger than him. Wesley's dad is a school teacher, and I was talking to Wesley's dad, and he says, you know, I've never seen a boy like Wesley in my whole life. He, he reads his Bible all the time, and sometimes he's reading it out loud. And when we take him to the grocery store, he, he's given out... Bible tracts, daily breads, he's given out preaching CDs, and uh, he, he just has a burden for that. And I had saved a lot of these daily breads since 1984. I, I hated to throw them out because they, they have some good stuff in them. And uh, I didn't know what to do with them. And I asked Wesley, do you want all these daily breads? Because I had boxes of them. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I gave him a gold medal or something. He said, oh, I, I want those. And Wesley took them home. He has his own Christian library. And he organized all these daily breads. And when we went over his house, he showed me all this in his room. He has all these Bible books and tracts. And, and he'll come to me at church and he'll say, Mr. Gaskell, you got some more Bible tracts or some CDs or daily breads? I'll give them to him, and he, he goes out. He's on the mission field. And Wesley told me once, he wanted to go to Iran and tell people about Jesus. Here's this nine-year-old boy that wants to go to Iran to tell people about Jesus. You know what they do to Christians in Iran? They put them in jail, or they behead them, or whatever. It's not tolerated being a Christian in Iran. And here's Wesley telling me he wants to go to Iran. I don't know what that, if that nine-year-old boy can comprehend what he told me. Powerful stuff. I'm going to tell you my story. I was the exact opposite of Wesley. When I was a young boy, about his age, my mom would drag me to church, and I hated to go to church. And, uh, my mom taught Sunday school on the first floor, and my Sunday school class was on the second floor. And uh, the reason I hated going to, to church in Sunday school class was when I was young, I, I stuttered. I, I had... Uh, I, couldn't pronounce words quite right. I had to go to special speech classes. And I had to go to special spelling classes, special reading classes. I'm terrible at reading, terrible at spelling. And to this day, don't ask me to spell anything. It's not my gift or my talent. But uh, at that time, being about nine years old, like Wesley, uh, the Sunday school teacher would get us in a, in a circle. And he would make each of us read part of the Bible. And uh, when you're a guy like me, and the teacher's making you read this King James Bible with some big words in it, a guy that stuttered, a guy who couldn't read well, how, how, how do you think it made me feel? And what I do is when the the teacher would tell us, each of you will read like two or three verses, and, and I'd 
go down how many kids it was and how many verses they'd be reading, and I'd try to comprehend what verses I would actually have to read. And the whole time while they're doing their thing, I'm trying to, to go over this, so when it was my time, I wouldn't be a fool. So I got to where I had a good trick up my sleeve. The church was big enough and like, say, two stories high. I'd, I'd say goodbye. My mom was on the first floor teaching kids, and I'd go up the second floor and try to sneak up there without the Sunday school teacher seeing me, and I'd lock myself in the bathroom. So that was my trick. I, I pulled it off pretty good. And I'd just lock the door in the bathroom, and when you'd hear all these kids coming out of Sunday school class, I just ran with them, ran downstairs. My mom never knew about it. And so... When I got a little older, she says, you're going to become a member of the church. And I said, no, I'm not. I was about 11 or 12. And I said, no, I'm not. Well, my dad was a cop in Mishawaka. And my dad made sure I was there at the membership classes. Sometimes he'd drive me right to the front door in the squad car and made sure I walked into the church door. Well, I went to them Bible classes to become a member. And I rebelled, and the preacher would tell you stuff to write down and memorize and whatever, and I just doodled. I'd never write it down, I just doodled. Well, when it was time for everybody to graduate membership class, guess who flunked? It was me. So I flunked church. And then when I got a little older, uh, my mom and dad really didn't make me go to church no more. And uh, then I got out of high school, <clears throat> found a job at a place called CTS. They were going to hire me to be in the tool room. And uh, I had to work my way first in the factory part till there was an opening in the tool room. And when I got in the tool room, uh, I started cleaning machines, worked my way up as a helper, and then got on a tool and die apprenticeship program. And I remember buying me myself a, a Volkswagen camper bus and I go camping once in a while in it and I remember that I went up to a place called Warren Dunes and I took a Bible and my bird dog camping and I thought I was going to figure out what life's all about I'm going to figure out what God's all about and uh, I started reading the Bible right at the beginning and at first wasn't too boring, but then you get into Exodus and Deuteronomy and all them, and a guy that wasn't real good at reading anyways, and some big words, and I just, I kind of gave up. But the Bible says, seek and you shall find. I was seeking God. So later on, uh, I met Nancy, and we dated for about a year and a half, and we're, we're going to get married. So where do you get married? in a church. So we started going to church and uh, we got married in the church and after we got married we stopped going to church. And then uh, I was still searching and one day I remember a guy at work he came up to me and he says, hey are you born again? And I said, I don't know, what are you talking about? Are you saved? And I said, I don't know, what are you talking about? And he says, uh, do you believe in Jesus? And I said, absolutely. So he left me alone. But I never heard the word born again or saved. And I, the church I was going to never preached that, never preached the, the true Bible. And so that stuck in my head. And sometimes maybe you're out and about. Some little thing you say may stick in there and plant a seed. And that guy didn't know what type of seed he planted, but he did. And so I started watching some TV preachers, and there's some good ones, and there's some bad ones. So you want to make sure they're going by the true Word of God. And uh, so I started listening to some good ones. Lord, allow me to find some good ones. And that guy started talking about being saved and born again, asking Jesus Christ in your heart to be your Lord and your Savior. So at the age of 25, I went out to a barn I had built in a... We had chickens in it, a goat in it, and whatever. I knelt down at the doorway of that barn. 
Sorry. And I asked Jesus Christ in my heart to be my Lord and my Savior. And He changed me. And I want to go to church. I want to learn more about Jesus. So I asked the Christian man at work, where can I go to church where they preach the Bible? And he says, well, there's a little church just down the road from you called Community Baptist Church. And he says, from what I hear, they preach the Bible. So I went to that church, Nancy went, and that church was different than churches I've been in. There were real men in that church. Before it was just some old widow ladies, and I'm not picking on widow ladies, but I'm just saying that there was no men in churches where I used to go. These were real men in this church. They shook, shook your hand about break it off, and... And we all had Bibles in their hands, and the preacher preached, and he preached out of the Bible, and he gives an altar call, which I'd never seen one, never knew what it was, but he was asking people, come forward, get right with Jesus. I said, man, this is my new home. And uh, started going, I asked Nancy, what do, you, what do you think of that preacher? And she said, well, it sounds like he's, just trying to get somebody to go forward. <laughs> and she wasn't saved at the time, and a year later, she gets saved. We both get baptized and uh, become members of the church. And this one guy said, hey, there's, there's a Wednesday night service too, you know. And I, I'm, I was thinking, well, I'm already going every Sunday. And well, I started going Wednesday night. Hey, growing. I started going Sunday night. And... Uh, Superintendent Sunday school class, he says, would you want to teach the fourth, fifth, and sixth grade kids? And I said, well, I don't know anything about it. I'm willing, but I don't know anything about it. He said, well, we got all the books. You can study the books and teach the class. I said, okay, I'll try it. So I started teaching class, and I started growing in the Lord more than I ever did because when I teach these kids the Bible, I want to teach them right. As Christians, we're accountable for teaching the Bible, the true Bible, not adding or subtracting to it. The Bible says you're a curse for adding or subtracting to the Word of God. So I studied heavy, and I started memorizing Scripture. And one thing I never made them kids do in my class, guess what it was? I never made them kids do in my class. I never made them read out loud. I found out there's always kids that love to read. And I'd say, does anybody want to read this? And, oh, and they got their hands up, and the ones that didn't want to read, I never bothered. And they enjoyed the class because nobody put them on the spot. And I believe the Lord had me go through that type of stuff to help me as a teacher. So I taught the kids, and then started working with the youth group a little bit. And the youth pastor had to leave church because his dad was dying of cancer. So the youth pastor left, and that left Nancy and I in charge of the youth for like 15 years. We're doing the youth. And, and then uh, during that time, this one fellow I know, good friend of mine, Scott, he's a lawyer, and he's great at singing. And he says, do you want to go to the jail with me? I'm going to do the singing, and you can do the preaching. And I said, well... I don't know, I guess I'll go, I'll try it. I've never been to the jail. So I go there with him to the jail, and I meet the head chaplain, and I, I ask him, uh, how long can I preach? He says, as long as you want, nobody's leaving. So, uh, so I preached the message. I preached the Word of God to these men, and I gave an altar call. They wanted to come forward except Christ. And eight men come forward. Whew. Bless my heart. And that just started a thing I couldn't quit. I, I've been going to jail for about 29 years. And uh, never left a jail but on cloud nine. And little by little, the Lord just brings you in different things in your life to do. And... Uh, in our church, we started having these wild game banquets where we would uh, 
hire a guest speaker to come in, and he was an expert on hunting, and he, he's also a, a preacher. And uh, we'd hire these guys we, from uh, Pennsylvania, one of them was from, another guy from New York, flew them in. We'd do these game banquets. We had a big auditorium or a big like gymnasium in our church. And these guys would show guys how to hunt, and it attracted a lot of people from the community because there was a lot of hunters, and a lot of them didn't go to church. But this would bring them all in, and, and he'd tell them about deer hunting, and then he'd give them the gospel. And people were getting saved at these game banquets. And I remember going to the jail on my way up with my buddy Leroy, and I told my buddy Leroy, I believe someday the Lord's going to have me do these banquets. I'm going to be the guest speaker. I truly believe it. The Lord put that in my heart. So after I told my buddy Leroy this, I started killing the biggest deers I've ever killed in my life. And trophy books. Right now I got seven deer in the Michigan record books. I got two Pope and Young record book books. That's with a bow and arrow. That's a national record book. And then I started writing for a bow hunter magazine for four years. So this started giving me all these credentials to start doing this. So I started doing these wild game banquets in churches. And we'd have like 500 people show up to these things. And at the end, I'd give them the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know a few of them, we've had like 26, 27 people give their heart to Christ that night. It was awesome. Men that wouldn't darken a church door and maybe never heard the gospel. What an opportunity. It was awesome. And the last one I did, they had it in a great big RV Hall of Fame Center. And I think there was about 800 people at that thing. And I was the MC. And I'm not trying to brag all this. I'm just saying this is how the Lord works. He, he opens all these doors... And we, as Christians, got to be willing to, to go through them doors. Them doors may not be open your whole life. There may just be a slot there that you go through for a while. And if you have opportunities, don't, don't pass them up. You may be missing out on blessings. If I would have told my buddy Scott that I don't want to go to the jail and preach... The whole ministry I'm doing, and even being here today, I wouldn't be here today, because all this preaching, and I put them on my CD, I put my messages on these CDs, and that's since I retired, that's my new ministry for the last few years, is giving these CDs out wherever we go. We got a motorhome. The Lord blessed us with a Mercedes motorhome to travel around in and give these CDs out. And the Lord's blessed me with a wife that loves driving this motorhome. She drives it. I just do the directions all the time. And what a, what a blessing. We've given out over 34,000 CDs. And, and if I would have said no to the jail ministry, I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't have these here in my pocket. I wouldn't even know any of you people. We probably may not even had a motorhome. But that's how the Lord works. And, and being willing to go to the jail, willing to do the youth group, meeting people on the street, I've had, and I'm not trying to brag this up either, but I've had the opportunity to lead almost 1,200 people to Jesus Christ. And I'm the, I'm the boy that hid in the restroom of the church. I'm the boy that stuttered. I'm the boy who went to special reading classes, special speech classes, and didn't want to be in front of a crowd or a group at all. I give God all the glory for anything that the Lord ever done in my life. And that's why I'm telling you this, not to brag at all, but what are you doing for the Lord?
What's your potential? If the Lord can use a guy like me, just think what he can do with a person like you. Christians, time is short. What are you doing for Jesus Christ? You know, I don't know any of you people very well. And I don't know how long you've been coming to church. And I don't know if you're truly saved. And I know people I've met in other churches, they go through all the motions. Year after year, putting on the big mask of being a Christian. But they really aren't saved. They really haven't come to Christ as their Lord and their Savior. And you may not like what I'm going to tell you, but I tell you the truth because I love you. And I tell you the truth because it's in the Word of God. If you're not for sure you're on your way to heaven, chances are you're on your way to hell. And that's not what I'm saying. That's what the Word of God says. And let me quote the verse. It's in 1 John 5.13. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of, of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. You may know whether you came to Christ or not as your Lord and your Savior. If you don't know for sure, like I say, chances are you're on your way to hell because you never cemented that with the Lord, that you came and yielded. Like I say, I remember in 1979, I think it was September, when I knelt in the doorway of that barn and looked toward the skies and asked Jesus Christ to be my Lord, my Savior, and He forgave me. He made me a new man. He changed my life, my priorities. Again, this verse I love and I quote it over and over again at the jail. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And in John 3, 16 through 18, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever... Believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but through him the world may be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Condemned already. Here's some more word of God. Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 5.8, Jesus did this. But, while, but God commended His love towards us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for every one of us here. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's the gift of God. What do you got to do to receive a gift? If I said this was a gift for you, what would you have to do? You just have to come up and receive it. You didn't have to earn it. You don't have to buy it. It's paid for. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 10.9 If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Revelations 3.20 says, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's knocking. Knocking on the door of your heart. If any man hear my voice and open that door, I will come into him. Is He knocking on the door of your heart today? Is He knocking? If He's knocking, you better answer the door today. The Bible says, for today is the day of salvation. You may not have tomorrow. You walk out this door, you don't know how long you're going to live. And when I give an altar call at the jail, you know, it's kind of rough on them guys. I'll say, if you want to do business with Jesus Christ, come forward. 
And we'll say the sinner's prayer together. And uh, you've got to swallow your pride. One of the last tools Satan uses on us, one of his traps is pride. And he'll say, what will people think if you come forward? What will people think? You know, who cares what people think? Someday it says, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It doesn't matter what people think because everybody's going to be in the same boat. They're going to have to humble to God one way or the other. And, it, and I remember a man coming forward and he says, you know, it was rough coming up. I had to, like say, swallow my pride. And he says, when I started to get up, the guy next to me grabbed me. He said, sit down. But he said, I came up anyways. Satan had his last little tug on that man and it didn't work. He was doing business with Jesus Christ. Here's what Jesus says. You can't be a secret Christian. In Matthew 10.32 and 10.33, Jesus says, If you confess me before me and I will confess you before my Father which is in heaven. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father which is in heaven. Tired of playing church? It's time to come forward. Joshua chapter 24. Joshua says, Choose you this day whom you will serve. And Joshua says, For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're serving the Lord. Jesus fills the void that we try to fill with earthly things. There's just one, it's like a piece of a puzzle here. It's just perfectly made. And the only thing that fits in there is Jesus Christ. And we try to fill it with cars, money, houses, whatever. But Jesus fills the void we try to fill with earthly things. God's will and God's goal in our lives is not to always make us happy, not always to make us wealthy, not always to make us healthy. God's will and goal in our lives is to make us more like Him. Make us more like Him. Christ-like. And... Uh, it's time to have an altar call. Pastor, uh, why don't we play a song? If we have some type of song, any song, will you feel comfortable? Oh, and if something simple, I don't know if you have amazing grace or anything, yet, but uh, something that will work. And as we play this song, I brought a lot of these Knowing God personally tracks. And this is what I use at the jail too. And if the Lord's tugging for you to come up forward and get right with Jesus, come up forward. It took me 25 years before I made that decision. And I never regret it. I'm living on cloud nine right now. And... Uh, All to Jesus I surrender. If you want to surrender to Christ today, come forward. If the Lord's tugging, come up forward. The Bible also says that your heart can become hardened. You may hear the gospel time after time, and after time, your heart becomes hard to the gospel of Jesus Christ.
This message is going out on YouTube too. And uh, my guess is this message hit some hearts and lives because it's the Word of God. It's not because I'm preaching some fluff. The Bible says the Word does not return void. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to say the sinner's prayer. And if, if you're listening, you can follow what I'm saying. And I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. The Bible says the Lord looks upon the heart. He'll know if you, he knows if you're doing business with Him. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I know there's no way I can make it to heaven on my own. I know you died for me on that cross for my sins. Please, Lord, forgive me of all my sins. I want to follow your ways, not my ways. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. I want to live for you. Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me. Be my Lord. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.